Shalom, and welcome to the Remnant Remedy Hour, where we're living and learning a restoration lifestyle. I'm Nidza from Remnant Remedy, and today is episode three along this concept of high places. And I probably am going to change everything I was supposed to speak about, even though it's all connected, okay? I was up last night, and in the middle of the night and father just gave me a bunch of stuff and I feel like I have to change the direction and we have to take a little detour before we get back onto the main subject of high places because we are going to a high place. Okay. And um, there's going to be lots of notes and things that I think you're going to be interested in. And just, if you can bear with me, hang with me because it is all, it is all connected. Right. So, I want to make sure for those of you who may be in the, I don't know, what do you call it, chat room, et cetera. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you. I see, I think Asia, Nina, uh, Catherine, uh, Brother Lee. No, no, I'm sorry. That's Lee. Brother Lee David. Yes. Oh, I got you now. I always get the Lees to mix up. Sorry about that. Anyway. Okay, so I'm not sure if it shows up on the feed, but I'm going to post this again because, and I'm trying, I tried to put as much as I could on the feeder across the bottom. Also on my Facebook page, I have posted some things and I hope that we have enough internet to move things around and change things so that you can follow some of the things I'm going to share. And if you have a notepad, I would um, probably say you probably should start a little notepad and um, maybe a big one, because I'm going to give you bits and pieces, and there's just so much information out there as far as what the Ruach has downloaded me, dreams and visions, and other ministries and people who have shared along the way and have contributed to um, what Father is doing, Abba Father, Yehovah, Yahweh, Yeshua, today. And so, Instead of just going right into a word study of high places or going into the Russian uh, revival, which was a time of preparation to get them out of there. Um, and then we're going to parallel that to preparing uh, to be prepared. We got to be prepared. We got to be preparing to prepare to leave for the second exodus. And so all of this is going to, you know, tie in together. And that's kind of where we're going. And so if I had to rename the show, I'm, I am going to go into fasting and prayer. But I know uh, as of in the middle of the night, I, I can't do that. Um, don't have time today. So uh, probably won't have time to finish what he downloaded uh, and gave me. And to be honest with you, um, this is kind of hard for me, not because I don't have a problem sharing one on one. But to go public uh, with what I'm going to be sharing some things today, I'm going to be pretty vulnerable. And I'm going to ask that you please pray that I won't be attacked. 
I mean, you wouldn't even believe the things that happened between <laughs> last night and this morning just to get on here and have it work. So we're going to pray that it keeps working. Okay. So I'm going to post this hopefully one more time. So you'll have these, you should copy and paste these. Okay. So if I was going to name episode three, forgive me, please, for those who I asked me yesterday for the title today. Um, I would say this is a call to prepare to exit. Okay. And I think, especially when we get into the Russian parallels uh, of revival, we're talking now about a worldwide revival that we are going to be, we have been really for 10, 20, 30 years or more. Many of us have been preparing and now we see this big influx of those who are coming into the covenant and understanding that Genesis from Genesis to revelations, we are to embrace the Torah as the foundation and all of the scripture, not just what we've been taught in the churches because we're out there reading the scriptures seeking uh, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and digging our own wells. Okay. We need to dig our own wells, not to say that we can't enjoy the overflowing waters of someone else's well, because it is wonderful to share those waters and uh, living stones need to share. Right? So I guess I'm just going to start out with this. Um, you're going to want those links I shared with you because when I go to refer to them, it's going to give you some visuals. Okay. All right. So let's get started. Basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover the last 35 years of my life and how I got to where I'm at and how I'm right here with you, because this is, this has been a preparation for me for almost 35 years to know that I am called, what I'm called to and what I'm called to encourage you to prepare for and be called to. Okay. So I don't know about you, especially when you, you know, you get up past your twenties into your thirties or so, if you haven't been living for, for Yahweh, in other words, if you know, you may be saved, I was saved at seven, right? I searched and searched for him. But he didn't really reveal himself to me. He did not fill me with the Holy Spirit and empower me until I was 30 years old. And I used to joke around and say, you know, when somebody asked me what my age was back then, I would say, oh, I'm the same age Yeshua was when he started his ministry. Or I'm the same age uh, he was when he was crucified, right? And so then if people didn't know, they had to go look that up. So anyway, so I'm going to go back because... I remember when I was I started entering my 30s, I was like, oh, I'm surrendered now, right? And I am reaping the woes, the curses from choices that I had made my my first 30 years, mostly in my, during my 20s, okay? And those of you who are out there are older can probably totally relate to this, okay? And so I spent a long time thinking, I can't wait till I start reaping the blessings by my obedience, right? And so here I am, very soon to be 64, and I don't even think about those hardly anymore. I have to be reminded, right? Because... I have so many blessings, even though we go through the fire constantly, we're constantly being refined. I just, I can't express to you the blessings of obedience. And every time there's something that happens, no matter how horrible it is, 
it's for our benefit. And so I, I want to say to you guys out there, anything you're going through has been approved by the throne. Anything you're going through, if you will surrender even unto death, will strengthen you for the battle. Not all of us are called to see the Mashiach when he returns. I don't know for certain that I am, but I know these gave given me the dreams, the visions, and the calling to express this to the body and to my children. And a lot of us, who knows going to be here tomorrow, much less next year, right? But there's still the vision there. And I think we can look back on Moses, right? He saw the vision. He led the people to it. But then when he got back up there, and I think it was Mount Nebo, when he looked over, Yahweh said, you can't go now. But, you know, but he'd been working for that all his life, right? So anyway, so let's just start with, hmm, starting to totally surrender, right? Um, so back 34, 35 years ago. So I used to have a low thyroid. And that was one of the reasons why I was barren for 10 years, couldn't have children. And then when I did get pregnant, I couldn't carry them. And then um, I lost one, had two girls. Then I went through another 10 years of barrenness. Um, but I got healed. And um, in, but what happened during that time is I knew, I mean, I've known this like since I was like seven years old, I've been looking for the return of the Messiah. So I, I knew that I had to get a renewal for that prescription. And what I did back in those days is I went to the GYN doctor because I had to go there for pregnancy before I started having home births and got smart. But I that's when I would go in to get my my prescription and then back then you know i i was brainwashed into thinking a pap smear was okay and i have different opinions of that now so anyway but my prayer was to yahweh that i don't want to be dependent on any prescriptions i don't want to be dependent on the system i don't want to be part of pharaoh's system right so i was praying for healing i was praying for a way out and it took several years Okay, I'd say it took probably five to eight years where he drew me out. And that's really where I got into herbs and, and all this training that I did and, and did a lot of cleanses and uh, things like that. That I got to the place that though I had 10 years of barrenness, lost one, had one, had one, lost one. Another 10 years of barrenness and in between that running a children's home and adopting. That I now at the age of, at that time, 41 and 43, was having two more children. So I have a total of five living children, two in heaven and one adopted child. Um, and so the thing was this. I was 43 years old with my fifth uh, childbirth. I was eight months pregnant and I was so healthy. I was concerned that there was something wrong, but I was, I was juicing. I was doing all kinds of these things. So, but it was during that time, the father started speaking to me and I was actually in um, still part of the worst trials of my life concerning my children. And so he just spoke to me and told me that my children were the remnant. Now at the time, you know, 
I just knew they were the remnant because I'm spending all my times in Lamentations, all my times in Jeremiah, all my time in uh, Isaiah because, well, and the Psalms, because the Psalms are a great roller coaster for emotions, right? So, you know, David went up and then David went down. <laughs> and so it was in my spirit. The word was being stored up in my spirit. And when he was teaching and talking to me about my children, my children were the remnant, right? So, um, so that was kind of going on in the background. And um, so I wanted to tell you, Father healed me, okay? Um, and I shared in one of the other shows, um, I can't remember which one right now, but it's only been a couple, last couple of weeks, uh, about, well, let's just go, try not to get us censored, okay? Um, I was given a revelation when my second daughter needed her six week uh, routine thing that they did to our children at the time. And you have to understand my background is being an Air Force brat, right? So I thought this was all normal. I, I didn't think anything was wrong with it. I had no clue, but I had my second, um, gave my sec birth to my second daughter and a couple of nights before, I had been at a La Leche, which is a Leche League is milk in Spanish. And it was, you know, I had to nurse and it was a nursing support group. Anyway, I was at this meeting and I met this other girl, this other woman with a baby, newborn baby. And I mean, just briefly, briefly met her. Well, at the time, I managed a, a real estate construction office. And I was taking my, my daughter to work with me. And my older daughter, who was only four years older, was staying with my mom. And this was a wonderful time for me. And I want to try not to cry about it because this was during the period when, um, if you hear me in my other story about when I witnessed to the, the witch and the, and the guy who went and stole the two-carat ring, right? But I had Christian mentors. This really changed my life. And I learned to live by faith. Because I can tell you that every Friday, we did not have money in the bank to pay our guys. But by Monday morning, those checks would all clear and there would be money that would come in. So after two or three years of that, you just go, well, whatever. You know, there's no money on Friday. But come Monday, there's going to be money there. Because the people that I worked for live by faith. And it was a wonderful, wonderful training ground. And I, I owe so much to um, Bill and Jenny Dawson. Jenny went up home to join the heavenly realm a year ago. And I believe Bill is still alive anyway. So it was during this time I was working for him and I took my second daughter to that place. And, um, it was, the, and at this time now it had gone from spider bites to oral, just a little oral vial. And I remember when I took my little daughter in there at six weeks, my second daughter, I was like, I was, I was mourning. And this has happens to me a lot of times when the father, the Holy Spirit's doing something. I might not know now the situation or what's going on, but I'll, I'll start the mourning and the weeping on the inside. And I remember when they gave her her oral um, little drink, um, she was crying and I could not, she wasn't, she wasn't given a poke. Right. And she was crying. And I remember getting her back to the office with me. And I remember standing there and I have to understand I had gone through so much to this point, but it was only going to get worse. The more I grew in the Holy Spirit, the more I grew closer to Yahweh, the more the persecution, the more the battle. So 
It's not for the weak or the faint. And when you want to give up, it's okay. Give up. You'll fall in his arms. He'll pick you back up. Okay. So anyway, I'm standing there and I just got back to the office and the Holy Spirit says to me, I have done this complete surrender, right? The Holy Spirit says to me, why did you do that? And I was like, well, because that's what all good parents do. I mean, why wouldn't I do that, right? And it just so happened that that particular one was a DPT. You'll have to look that up. I won't go into that. Um, but he said to me, is it okay with you if your daughter dies from pertussis? And I was like, mm, I had to think here. I'm like, well, if I've totally surrendered my life, if you have counted the hairs on my hair head and the hairs on my daughter's head, and, and you know the end of my days and the number of my days and the number of days of her, her then yes, it's okay with me. Then he said to me, don't do it again. And I was like, okay, that's all I knew. Next day, this woman who I briefly met walks into the office and says to me, hi, remember me? I met you, blah, blah, blah. I said, yes. And then she goes, the Holy Spirit told me to bring you this book. And so she brought me this book called DPT, A Shot in the Dark. And she asked me, she says, do you do spider bites? And I said, well, as of yesterday, no, I do not. So she said, well, I'm supposed to give you this book. And then she left. And I took that book and I started reading that book. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so crazy. This is so insane. This is bizarre. So my reasons back then were simply because the Holy Spirit told me so, okay? Over time, I knew and understood that uh, more about the immune system, about how you have an immune bank, and once you take out these withdrawals, you, you don't get any more. And, um, but the reason I wanted to share part of this story is because this is about where we're going in the Exodus. Because if you don't think it's not going to be like in the days the first exodus when they called the midwives in you need to you know maybe put on some bootstraps and figure out it's going to be total trust on yahweh that's where we're going if we're not there already so we can really be thankful for the last couple of years of helping us get to that place in fact the last couple of years is what prepared the way for me to deliver that message at two conferences last year but it was 31 years almost to the day before I could release that publicly and it would be accepted or wanted by the leaders of the congregations. Because, well, and during that process of time, I learned <laughs> that all of those spider bites are about conforming us to the image of the beast. And I also learned why biblically they, it, it's not Torah, it's not biblical. The whole principle behind it, the violating the blood laws, the things that they put in it to put in you, just the principle alone that Yahweh has made our bodies to heal ourselves if we give it the proper food and mostly or, or herbs, basically plants uh, versus, you know, of course we use prayer. And now we know we can use light and we can use different modalities of healing that all come from the olive and the top, right? So, 
So this is this is you know part of the thread of what's going on, um, knowing that my children one day will be facing something that they're going to need an immune system for. Have no idea what, but I know it's coming, right? So that was thirty something years ago. Okay. So um, so and then I got healed of the thyroid. And I shared that part. Okay, so in the other show, I think I shared about, I think it was the Alptov show, about the confetti, the colored confetti representing the olive and the tov coming out of Yahweh's mouth. So, you know, all this is going on while I'm on my deathbed because I was giving uh, a prescription for something because I lost my baby. And uh, long story short, a, a doctor did something horrible to me against my will and against my knowledge. And he almost died from that. Um, and so I won't go into that. I'll, <laughs> but if you wonder why I feel better in the desert with nobody, just Yahweh, you'll understand if you ever knew the stories of what I've gone through for myself and my children with Pharaoh's system. And one day, I'm hoping to find out to, if I can get the rights. But one day, I'm hoping to go through this book. If you can find this book online, it's probably going to be several hundred dollars. It's out of print. I talked to this lady years ago. She uh, was a nurse and the medical system came out and she was very responsible for um, having, setting up groups of believers to have home births in midwifery. And she also wrote a book called Born in Zion. Now, you're either going to read these books and you're going to say, you're absolutely crazy. Are you going to read them and you're going to go, oh my gosh, this is totally the Ruach. This is totally what the spirit has been showing me. Um, and it's, it's for the remnant. It's, it's, it's really not for anyone else who wants to walk in lukewarmness between the world. Okay. So anyway, during this time, I also had stepped on a, scorpion and i kind of wanted to share this because you know i was thinking of that song and i was just having this revelation the other day which you know i it's kind of up here but when it gets here right so i'm praying for someone in some situation and i'm like i'm the kind of person i'm not a warrior prayer okay i'm really working on that but i'm the kind that is like plea i'm always pleading i'm always pleading okay for mercy and of course his will to be done but i very seldom rise up with proclamation and authority, etc. But I, but I was praying for someone, and I was asking the Father, you know, how should I pray for this person? And, you know, I wish, and I know the day is coming that we are going to be empowered, right, to have that power and of authority and those greater works, right, the greater works that the Father. It, Yeshua said he he promised us, right? So anyway, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read the messages on the board here. And you can tell my brain can't do two things at one time like that. It's already got too much going on here. Um, so I don't even know what I was talking about at this point. So, <laughs> oh, so anyway, there's the scorpion situation. Well, and I was, I was praying and all of a sudden the word authority stood out to me, right? Because I was like, Oh, you didn't give me permission to plead. I mean, not that we can't come to him with supplications or et cetera, but you 
you said that you would give us, you gave us the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And I can tell you, when I lived in Florida, they had these, they had these little tiny white kind of gray scorpions. And they, they like to come out when the weather changes and they're near the dampness. And um, of course, I didn't know this when I lived in, lived in the forest there. Um, and so one day I, I came out of the shower and I went to step into my bedroom and all of a sudden I felt this like fire and I swore the knife went up to my knee. Right. And I thought, Oh my gosh, what happened? Did I get bit by a snake? I mean, I thought for sure it had to be a snake thing. Right. And I looked down and looked under my foot and I saw the scorpion and the scorpion had imprinted like a fire branding burn into the bottom of my foot. So <laughs> that was amazing to me, but it hurts so bad. And all I could do was lay down and I put my feet up. I elevated my foot, which I don't really know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but I passed out. I woke up the next morning. I was totally fine. The imprint burn was gone. So when I tell you that when I'm in pain and I relate to that or related to viral meningitis that I had during that time, I'm, I've been through some major pain. OK, so when I tell you about the scratching in my eyes earlier this year and the other shows, I, I'm just trying to put it in perspective for you. OK, so. But I want to encourage you that he literally really, truly is giving us the, the power and authority, and we're going to see it increase. And I don't know if you out there are feeling this, but the last few months, I have just felt like the, the, the Holy Spirit just keeps whispering, things are changing, things in the wind, there's an increase. I would even say after all these years of walking with him, I probably until this year, really felt a whisper that he actually loved me because I'm the kind of person who the way I was raised, you know, it's about performance. Okay. You, you do what you got to do. And if you don't do it, then it's your fault. It's your problem. Right. And so, I'm, so that's kind of where I operate, even though I know, and I, you know, I know it's all about spirit. I know it's all about empowerment. I know it's about, um, you know, relating to him, etc. But, He's given us authority. And then it made me think about the verse. Okay, then there's the verse about, you know, we're seated in heavenly places. Well, if we're seated in heavenly places, then we're sitting in a realm of authority. And I know that I don't get this enough, but we all need to get it. All of you out there need to listen, listen, listen. You were created to rule and reign with him. That is what the bride does. A bride to the king rules and reigns. And she is going to have to lay her life down in total surrender and walk and move only in the things that she knows the bridegroom approves of. A man and wife is to walk as co-heirs into the kingdom with power and authority. And a lot of times women... Uh, who are married to men who treat you like Yeshua would to lay your lay his life down to edify the bride so that she shines is often mistaken and criticized by the body. Oh, she's a Jezebel. Mm, no, she knows her authority. She knows her place and she knows it because her groom has given it to her. 
And he knows she is not going to move or do anything that he hasn't commissioned her or given her permission to do. And if she at any minute has questions or second thoughts, she's not going to be a Jezebel. She's, she's not going to act out of her own flesh. She's going to go back to her girl and she's going to say, am I doing this right? Is this okay? Do I have your permission? Right? And we as a body are not going to be powerful until we can get over ourselves to get along, but also that we let women, which is the rest of the half of the other army, come in and take our places. Okay. And I, I, I see a lot of this happening. Uh, and I think it's good. We are getting more and more of co-heirs walking into the kingdom. There is so much power in a man and a woman walking as co-heirs. And we as the bride of Yeshua, of Yahweh, we need to recognize this. We need to recognize that we are being trained to raise up to rule and reign with him. Sorry for the tinge. I'm not sure where all I'm going. I just have all these notes. Um, that was also during the time that I had the time, the call to homeschool. I'd never heard of homeschool. I didn't know what homeschool was. Okay. I am a military air force brat. I am gone to public schools or are on military base schools. I don't know. There's even such a thing. I'm again uh, in the office working for the, uh, the Dawson's who were my mentors, my in the faith. And this woman comes in one day who was a lobbyist actually uh, politically, you know, back during the days of Pat Robertson and, you know, waking up the Christians to be political, um, which to be honest with you, you can throw tomatoes at me, but we are missing the big political program here. And that is, it is about the nation of Israel and the restoration of the kingdom. That's our country, our land and our authority. And we are just waiting for our king to come back and say, your exile, your diaspora is over and it's time for you to come back with me. Okay. Anyway, so this lady walks in, she has, she's making a copy and I'm just so like, what are you doing? She goes, it's a homeschool magazine. I'd never heard of such a thing in my life. But as soon as I heard it, as soon as I saw it, it just hit me. I wanted to homeschool. How is I going to homeschool? How is I going to be allowed to come home? You see, I had been raised that, you know, I guess because of the things that happened to my parent, my mother was, you don't ever depend on a man. You go get yourself an education. You know, yes, get married, have children, but you don't ever depend on him, right? Because men are not dependable. Because we don't, we don't have men who are like Yahweh, who are dependable. I mean, you know, overall, we don't in our society. So, you know, that was in the back of my mind, even though since as a little girl, all I wanted to do was get married and have children. So here I come from this corporate office mentality to I'm in a marriage, but I'm choosing, I'm married because I choose to be married, not because I need to be married. And so there was this whole parallel between me and Yahweh, right? That he's like, you need to surrender. You need to depend on your husband, even though he's unrighteous, even though he's not dependable, because you are ultimately depending on me, Yahweh, right? 
and that was hard but i went through some hard years of learning that lesson and giving up so i prayed for over three years crying every morning an hour to work an hour back with my my little girl trying to serve two masters how can i take care of her needs first uh, when i got to be to work on time when I got to do this, when I got to do that, and I have this whole thing about excellence and professionalism, and I want to be there for her, but I, but I really can't, and I want a homeschooler, but I need a miracle, um, and then I, I started taking her and doing school with her with me at work, and my boss would let me do, you know, back and forth, so it was good, but I needed a miracle because my unrighteous husband was not going to allow me that, okay, Um won't go too much into that, but I'm probably going to say too much on this today, but I felt like Father said it's okay to release some of it. So after three years of crying and wanting to come home and Father just re-showing me, even though I didn't consider myself a woman liver, he showed me how our, our culture and, and the society had affected me. And um, he gave me this heart to want to come home. So I finally come home. There's this miracle that happens. The chairman of the board, the citrus co-op where my husband works, comes in and says to, you know, my, my husband who's complaining that I don't want to work and I want to be home and I'm already making twice the income, right? Um, while he, he plays with his motorcycles on the weekend. Um, you know, he's like, my wife wants to homeschool, you know, and, and the, the uh, gentleman who was the president of the co-op who happened to be a believer turned around and looked at my husband then and said, the most important thing that you can ever do is to allow your wife to come home and homeschool. And that impacted him, even though he was not living right. And then I was granted the permission. And then I had to choose by faith because I didn't know how bills were going to get paid. But the father was showing me, as long as I depend on my abilities and my strength, and not, in other words, I'm enabling my husband, okay? And it's better for me to be poor and destitute than to not be there at home with my child. Now, I will tell you to this day, I regret not learning or knowing that beforehand. Because the bonding that happens between you and your child in those early years is a lot of it is you don't even see it it's spiritual and they spiritually intuitively emotionally learn not to trust you if you're out working 40 hours a week or more and i thought that was better than standing in line getting food stamps right so father had to show me his ways are the only way and i'm not saying that you can't work I'm just saying that this is really, really important to, to put your house in order. So our first few years of homeschooling was all about order. You know, you can't homeschool unteachable children. You have to relearn your relationships between each other, right? And so um, that miracle happened for me. And I literally got to come home. And after a few years of doing that, actually it was only not very long, a year or two at the most, the rug was taken out from underneath me. Totally. It was like, okay, father got me to this place of dependency on him, trusting and doing everything that I was doing as unto the Lord, as unto Yahweh, even though I knew that I was in a really bad situation. And I remember laying there at night 
in bed next to him while he's sleeping. And I'm just pouring out my heart to the father and saying, I want to serve you. I want to do ministry. I, you know, I had all these great ideas for working moms and, and how, you know, children should really be in at least another woman's home instead of just off at daycare, whatever. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, you cannot serve me. You cannot love me unless you learn to love the unlovable one there. Whoa. That's not something I wanted to hear. So as the years went on, a couple of years, it got worse and worse and worse. And the more I grew in the father, the more the persecution, the more the pain, the more the suffering and everything. But father was faithful to me through it all. He gave me permission to raise my children for him. And he sustained me through the whole thing. Now, let's see how much time we got. I, you know, since y'all are out here and I've been praying about this, I, and maybe Shell needs to tell me, I don't think anybody has a show after me today. I guess my question to you all is, do I stop in an hour? Because there's no way I'm going to be done with an hour. And I can come back and hopefully flow on what the father gave me last night. Or should I go longer? So anyway, that's kind of where I'm at right now because we're, we're like 20 minutes down. So, um, so I had this call to homeschool and it was a it was a miraculous thing that happened. It took several years. And, um, so, so as I entered homeschooling, I am, thank you, Shell. As I'm entering homeschooling, and if you get if you get your uh, scriptures out, turn to Deuteronomy uh, chapter six, and I'll see if I can if I can get this to pull up here, because this was um, this is basically the homeschool uh, mantra, okay? In in my generation, because when I came in, the pioneer movement to bring back homeschool was until that's three p.m. All right, I got three till no four p.m. <laughs> then people might not want to watch this long video, but anyway. <clears throat> Um, and I don't want to edit it into one hour shows. Um, okay. So, so, you know, I get this, I get to come home. I ended up being a state county national homeschool leader, et cetera. But, um, there was this miracle because I knew that we were raising a generation of rebellers against the NWO. Okay. I knew that. And so um, this, so the 70s were like the pioneers. This is when people started going to jail for homeschooling, recovering what, you know, used to be the norm in America before the, the institution of public education. The history of that is pretty amazing. You know, they used to go to school for three to four years, maybe five max to learn what they now can't learn in 13 or 14 years. Right. And they would basically go to school for three years. They would know more than we do today as far as reading, writing, arithmetic. They didn't need to know about all those other crazy things. And then if they were going to go on to uh, be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a, a clergyman or whatever, then they would go to what back then was called high school. But that was so they could use, learn Greek and Hebrew um, so they could read the other things to prepare. And so that was really originally what high school was about. And then if you were anybody else, then you would walk into your apprenticeship, into your calling, right? So, 
so back in those days, I, I had the, the great privilege of learning under a woman who, mm, when she spoke, it was just honey and scripture, right? So let's see if we can, let me see if I can share this, um, share the screen, share the screen. Yes, I want to share the screen and we're going to go to this one and hopefully it'll come up pretty good. So if you have your uh, Bible, if you want to follow here, we're on uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, right? And so what happened was after, you know, I was called to homeschool, uh, I would one of the things I did was tell people there are different rights or ways to homeschool because nobody was teaching anybody that um, in Florida, the differences between the legalities, et cetera, because, um, you know, really bottom line, it's a, it's a calling from Yahweh. It's, it's a mandate from him. It's not a mandate from anybody else. And so you have to stand up. You had to learn what's the difference between a conviction. What's the difference between a preference? Well, you know, a conviction, you're still willing to die or go to jail for, but if it's a preference, then you might change your mind. But for me, it was a conviction. And believe me, I've been dragged into court. That's a whole nother story. Okay. <clears throat> so it was a good thing that I did all those trainings and I knew the law because a very expensive lawyer was the one who was hired to have a child divorce his parents that made a movie was who came against me. But yet Yahweh was there for me. Okay. So so here, I want to just go through these verses because when I used to read these verses back then, I would weep and I couldn't understand why. And again, it was because the Holy Spirit was doing a work within my spirit so that years later I would understand who is the lost house of Israel? Who are my people? Who am I going to call back to the land, right? So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter six. And of course, back then we didn't know it was Torah, right? <laughs> it's just the beginning of the book. Uh, because you need to, I knew how to understand the eclectic style of homeschooling. Oh, wow. Yes, that would definitely be my description. <laughs> Thank you, Shell. Yeah, Shell and I met, what, 20 plus years ago? And uh, I ran a private homeschool program. And so she, her family was part of that. So, yeah. Um, and I was a, I felt my bridge was a calling to those who would be called to homeschool according to Yahweh and not copy the system. Okay. So let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter six. Um, now these commandments and these statutes and these judgments with Yahweh Elohim commanded you to teach that are, um, say, hang on, let me slow down here, which Yahweh your Elohim commanded to teach you that you might do them. Remember, we're to be doers of the word. That's what Shema really is, right? In the middle of that is Shem, which is the power, character, and authority. So we are to do the power, character, and authority so that we might operate and co-reign with him, right, in the land. Now, again, because I was going through all these verses over the years and I read Psalm 37 and Psalm, you know, all these different words. It was about the land, the land, the land. I was like, the church is saying we're going to heaven, but the scriptures are saying we're inheriting the land. What is that all about, right? <clears throat> so, you're going to go in and you're going to possess it. Now, that you might fear Yahweh your Elohim to keep all his statutes and all his commandments, which I give you, you and your son and your son's sons, all the days of your life, and that of the days may, so that your days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, this is Shema Yisrael. Now, 
uh, I think it's in Matthew and Mark, but I actually heard a preacher say this one time in the Christian church. They said that when Yahweh Yeshua, excuse me, Yeshua, Yahweh, however you want to split that hair, in the New Testament, when he's when they asked him what the greatest commandment was, he was actually quoting from Deuteronomy chapter six. Okay. And I, I remember the pastor saying, This was a new thing. This had never been done before. Yeshua was teaching a whole new thing. No, he wasn't. He was pointing right back here to the Torah. What is the greatest commandment? The greatest in the first commandment is to love Yahweh with all your heart, soul, and mind. In other words, Shema. Listen to him. That goes back to the commandments. That goes back to the blessings and the verses of whether you choose life and life more abundantly because he's your creator. He's the potter of the clay. He knows what it needs or what you need. Um, it's just like if you were creating a vehicle, what you have to have to run better, right? So he was referring back to this and saying, Here's life, life more abundantly. Torah is life. Torah is light, right? So he's referring back to this. This is the greatest commandment. And he's he's just reiterating right here what's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Shema Israel, and observe and do that it may go well with you, that you may increase mightily as Yahweh Elohim of your fathers has promised in the land that flows with milk and honey. Now, we got to remember, and maybe some of you are all here, but for many years, everything for us believers was spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. We didn't know the context. We didn't know the history. We didn't know the background. The, the land, in fact, I was just reading a verse in the middle of the night about the land that he picked to bring us back to. Uh, that he originally, which is a covenant. This was, this was, you know, the land was part of the dowry, right? This is what he's, he's giving to the bride. Okay. Uh, a side note, when Pocahontas got married, she was the daughter of Chief Powhatan, right? His, her father gave land for, with tobacco, the original species that did not have nicotine in it, which was cultivated to have it, right? But that was part of her dowry that was given to um, John Rolfe. So if you ever want to study the true history of Pocahontas, you're not going to find it out there unless you're studying primary and secondary documents about Lady Rebecca Rolfe, R-O-L-F-E, because she was baptized. She was the first uh, savage, is what they would call, that was converted, okay? So you really want to study her and the truth and dig, dig, dig. You've got to go to that, right? So anyway, let's get back here. Uh, Shema Israel, Yahweh, your Elohim, Yahweh is hot. He's one. And you shall love Yahweh, your Elohim, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. And you shall diligently teach them to your children. And you will talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And so what was presented to me, you know, 31 years ago was two verses that really got me. One was there's a verse that says, if you forget me, if you forget my Torah, I will forget your children. Whoa. That was the opposite of what the church was teaching me. And I didn't want to take any chances. Okay. So, and then I was taught that how can you do this from the morning, the time you rise up in the morning throughout the day until you lay down at night, if you're delegating your power, character, and authority 
to the system who is now going to imprint upon your child, not to mention the spirits. And of course, there's lots, lots, lots worse now than it was back when I was called into this and, and the families that I helped um, come into this. Now, I'm going to put a disclaimer here. I am not saying that you are condemned if you send your children to school outside your home. I am saying that you're playing with a huge fire. And so you best be sure that the Holy Spirit has told you it's okay. And you're going to compensate for that in a big and mighty way. And the, I don't want to, I just don't want you to be condemned. Okay. I don't want you to feel that if that comes, it needs to come from the Holy Spirit telling you, but we need to keep in mind, we cannot always put Yahweh in a box. If you stop and consider it, Moses was raised in Pharaoh's system and Pharaoh's court, but it was for a purpose, right? And he, so just, just keep that in mind. Okay. And these words that command you all day should be in your heart. Okay. So how can you do that if, if your children aren't with you, if you don't have the time invested? You know, it's not, I know the world talks about quality time, but I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of time that I wouldn't consider quality. But it's the presence of the moment and your presence that's being there. I have a husband and a child who you're not going to get the gold nuggets. You're not going to get the golden moments unless you just learn to be quiet and hang out. <laughs> okay. And I wouldn't miss that for anything. But I will tell you that it tries my patience because in case you haven't noticed, I am not a person that's just slow to sit. Okay. All right. Um, let's so you shall be, there should be a, a, you shall bind them as a sign, an oat, which by the way, our, our, um, our stars in the heavens are an oat, a sign. Our letters, our Hebrew letters are an oat or a sign upon the hand. And they shall be as frontless between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the posts of your house and gates. And it shall be when Yahweh your Elohim shall have brought you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. This is the part that I was always cry at. Like I, I, I thought it was just spiritual, but I knew that I was going to be brought into this place of blessing, brought into this place of I didn't work because, you know, I'm a striver. I'm a worker and I'm going to get to go somewhere where father's going to provide this place. Right. So um, anyway, and then it goes on to say, beware, lest you forget that Yahweh, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You know, one time I did a word study just on that, especially in the ancient Hebrew and bondage. And this is a, it's a dichotomy, but this is how I came to the end of that study. And that was, it is a sin for us to work for anybody or anything other than Yahweh. Now, but wait a minute, we're in diaspora and we, most of us have to work for somebody. Okay. Most of us are not self-employed. Um, but I still came to the place of there's a lot of things that we do in diaspora that we really don't have control over. And I don't think that he would put that heavy bondage and yoke on us because he already did by putting us on a timeout and in, in exile. 
Okay. And he says he's going to bring back, he's going to heal. He's going to remove in one day, all that causes his inequity. He's going to bring those back who mourn the Moedim. You could be observing the feast, but honestly, you're just rehearsing something for the future. So you'll know and be prepared to be the bride to come back into the land because now you know how he eats. You know how he wants to meet with you. You know when he wants to meet with you. You, you know the things that you need to know about your bridegroom. You're in this betrothal period, right? So it's about him preparing us and us being prepared and ready, okay? Um, so it, it goes on, you know, this is, this is a great passage, but the point of this matter is this is the, these are the commandments and we are to teach these to our children. And I had, um, I originally, uh, when I first came into homeschooling, I was introduced to a type of homeschooling that was, ooh, that's something I wanna share, but I don't think we're gonna get to it too soon. Um, so let's stop sharing. Uh, I see stop screen. Oh, there we go. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Don't know where I was going with that one. Um, yeah, I get this is very exciting when we get into the Paran of the desert and the wilderness and on the wings of eagles when he brought them out, right? And so if you, if you, uh, hopefully it's, it's still here. Ah, yeah, I'm going to share this again because I'm not sure who gets these, but if you can copy and paste these. I also on Facebook posted some links um, because all of these, are when I talk to them, you'll know what I'm, what I'm talking about, what I'm referring to, okay? Because we are getting prepared and ready, and I think it's a lot sooner than I thought. Um, so these are things that we want to, to know. Um, so anyway, so, so basically homeschooling, home education, and it's a lifestyle. You will burn out if you try to copy the system. You will burn out if you think the only thing important is a standardized test. Now, I taught private school for a year and then I ran a private homeschool. There's some things that father really showed me about that. Number one, teachers teach to the standardized testing. For most people in most states, it is about doing your time. It's not about learning. And it's certainly not about the true definition of education. And if you get a chance, go to the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary and look up the definition of education. Basically, it's to give you the morals, values, and equip you so that you will be a good citizen. A good citizen for what? Not the NWO, but for his kingdom. Okay. Um, so I step on the scorpion and called to homeschooling I'm homeschooling. I'm in a very unrighteous situation, crying out to the father. And I don't, I don't want out of the situation because I would do anything, including death in order for my girls, uh, my two older children to not be in a broken home situation. I, I wasn't screaming for delivery because I had been married when I was younger and I, that would make me a two-time loser and I would do anything not to have my children be in a broken home situation. And when I did think I might have the right to end that relationship, the Holy Spirit would not let me, not let me at all. I cannot begin to tell you the lessons that I learned 
And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you out there who are going through heavy trials and those who are maybe unequally yoked. Father can do miracles. He can save and deliver and make your marriage anew. But he can also say, hey, I'm, I'm done. I've given this person enough time, but I'm still going to take care of you. And you trust him and you walk through that and you walk through that grace. And it might be the worst nightmare you've ever been to. I went to someone one time and they told me to go through a divorce is like cutting both your arms and legs off and leaving you there to bleed. That's how it feels. Okay. But that doesn't mean that the Elohim of the universe, your creator, your, your betrothed husband, spiritually and physically for the future, can, can heal that. He can restore that, right? Um, but you don't know that till you've been through the trials. You don't know what you can do until you can do it. If you've given birth naturally, you can tell somebody about it. You can hear about it from somebody else. But until you have gone through that process, you don't really know or understand what it's like. And in our society, we do so many things to not have a natural childbirth. So those who haven't had natural childbirth, those who haven't raised animals on a farm or a farmstead and watched all the things that you have to go through. I mean, if you've ever raised a bull that wouldn't move or a goat, you know what a butt head is okay you know what a jacket you you mean you know these things because there's there's just these expressions of living on the farm the reality you can't really understand in my opinion i'm very opinionated but you can't really understand the birthing process and the pain when you know you're going to die you feel like you're going to die right until you've been through something like that and it doesn't have to be just a physical birth it can be anything that father's birthing you into something he's, you know, he's planted in you a seed of, of ministry or work or just, you know, whatever it is, normal everyday life. Do not underestimate normal everyday life, working, being a common man, being a common woman is huge in the kingdom. And if you're faithful with that, it's going to be huge during the restoration process. So, during this time, so what I want to say about that is be thankful for the crushing that you're going through. Because it is the crushing that gets rid of the dross. It's the fire. You want the baptism of the fire. It's going to burn out the dross. And just when you think you've reached the pinnacle of righteousness, you're going to find out, whoops, there's more to burn off. Okay. Be thankful. Be thankful for the vessel, even if it's your spouse, that Father gives and puts in your life to burn out your dross and to work in you a refined golden vessel. I. <clears throat> One of the things I went through, and again, I'm only going to touch the surface here, but one of the things I went through was a lot of unfaithfulness from 
my second husband. And I would get calls from other husbands and other people. I also lived in the Ocala National Forest where there's a lot of witchcraft. I used to do a lot of prayer walks and deliverance things out there in the forest. And I would have demonic voices, demonic people, angry people call me and just to terrorize me. But that was back in the days when we had, we didn't have cell phones. We had recorders, you know, where you could leave a message. And so what I started doing was I started praising uh, children's praise and worship songs. That Jesus loves you. You know, that's what I was doing. So when, when they, when they called and they got that phone to terrorize me, that's what they got. And if the Holy Spirit gave me an unction to pick up the phone, then I would. And I would tell them, you know, when they would start in with the horrible things, I would just say, you, sh you know, back then I would say, Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus loves you. And of course, then they thought I was insane and they didn't know what to do with that. So they just hung up and they quit harassing me. Um, there's something about a verse. If I'm going to be crazy or insane, let it be for Christ. Let it be for Yahweh, Yeshua, right? Um, but that was my, my weapon. My weapon was to praise him. He only calls for a sacrifice of praise and obedience, right? But if you think about it, how what what do other gods call for? They they call for all kinds of things and in bondage and in uh, heavy yokes upon us. But but our God, our Creator, He calls for a sacrifice of praise, no matter what, because all things work for the good for those who are called according to His purposes. He knows what you need. He knows the fire. He knows the trials. He knows whatever you need to profit you eternally, celestially, into the kingdom on earth and in heaven. He's not so concerned about how you're going to prosper here temporarily on earth. Okay? So you need to grow up and get over that because he loves you. He's going to correct you. He's going to form you. And if you will willingly give yourself as that living sacrifice, which we will go into later shows on how we literally, physically, literally, when we fast, there's this aroma that goes up to him literally because most of the fasting comes out through our respiration, which is how most of our fat comes. And what does he like? He likes that fat, right? That fat is a, mm, a savor, an aroma to him. So when you fast, you're literally offering up, not just spiritually, because you got to get into those word studies. You're literally offering up a living sacrifice to him that's pleasing to him, that goes straight up to the throne so that he receives that straight keteret incense aroma of the prayers up to him so that he may respond, that he may answer. Um. So anything, what, so <laughs> things just kept happening and happening. So eventually what, one of the things that happened was I, I would get these phone calls and this particular call caller, um, they would hang up at night when they called, which I was kind of used to this, but this one became a pattern and a habit. And um, so I, you know, I, I just, I, Felt like I was supposed to be quiet because I didn't respond with Yeshua loves you, right? I was just waiting for whoever it was, as I was used to 
these crazy calls. And then after a few weeks, this person starts to talk to me. And this is woman. And I'll try not to cry too much during this. Okay. So this woman had been seeing my husband and she was angry and she was hurt and she wanted to hold him responsible. She'd been told what a horrible, terrible person I was and she had felt sorry for him. And she had become pregnant and he accompanied her to dispose of the baby. And she was regretting that. And when she started sharing this with me, I immediately felt guilt. I felt shame. I felt the curse come upon me and my children. I felt what kind of person am I? Because I, I never did. I mean, I got married thinking with my first two choices, I got married thinking I had chosen a faithful person that I, that I was, you know, betting my odds pretty good, right? That I was going into this with the right attitude because I, I took marriage seriously. But I thought, what kind of person am I that I could not see that he was leading a double life? I could not see and had, and I had allowed this curse to come upon me and my children. The shame and the humiliation that hit me and the burden of that that day stayed with me for many years. Even though I, for, for many years, physically, physically in my back and shoulders, I, it's like it, that, that shame he was just came in because I felt like I was responsible for this death. Because I wondered, what if I would have spoken to that voice the night she called, which evidently turned out to be the nights before she went and got rid of her baby? I could have maybe stopped that. You know, I, I took on, I guess because when you're married and you and your husband are one, I took that on spiritually. I took that on emotionally. I took that on physically. I started sharing with her that I would have gladly raised that child for her if she didn't feel like she could have done that. Um, and so I started ministering to her and I started sharing Yeshua with her. She and I became friends, which really ticked off the enemy. And long story short, the next door neighbor's wife started terrorizing this woman then I couldn't quite understand why she was so upset. If anyone was going to terrorize this woman, I thought maybe it should be me. But that all ended up with him running off with the next door neighbor's wife, who I was praying with all the time and helping her and her husband. So <clears throat> that began a series of he didn't really want the children, but I was in a seven-year battle for custody. And just torment over and over. And I, and I remember when this happened because the father understand the father wouldn't let me leave him. And, and I kept praying that he would repent. He'd be restored. He would come back. And, and the father wouldn't let me leave. The Holy spirit would not let me. 
I, I had even scheduled an appointment for a, a divorce attorney, but he would he would not let me do that. Well, during that period, I remember um, living out there in the forest. That I would wake up and I would hear the birds singing, and I was mad and I was angry because I had been serving the Lord. I had been serving Him. I died to myself. I kept dying and loving and dying and loving and dying and loving this unrighteous person. And I felt like I had got to the top of righteousness, right? And every time I got there, every time I thought I did the next thing to lay my life down, Yahweh required more of me. So I remember waking up one day and hearing the birds cry, sing, and I'm angry because I'm like, my world has come to an end. My families, my children, uh, you know, my family is destroyed. And I know the enemy wants to destroy my children. He wants to destroy the marriage. And then I learned he didn't want to just destroy that. He wanted to destroy my very life. So I, I went through this period of, um, you know, dying, 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 yielding, yielding, yielding to one day, just looking in the mirror and becoming very bitter and saying to Yahweh, <laughs> saying, Yeshua, saying, I am not you. I am not, I do not have the power. I, I am not Yeshua and I can't die on this cross anymore. Now, what was really interesting during that time <laughs> no, you don't want to. You want to do what Yahweh calls you to do. It isn't about being single. It's not about being married. It's about doing what He calls you to do. <clears throat> Let me proceed. Um, so, anyway, one of the things that the Holy Spirit did for me during this time was you got to understand, too, because I was living in such a. Mm, there was so much demonic activity. I mean, I literally would see the spirits, all kinds of things. But I think because it was so, so bad during that time, the Holy Spirit would just speak to me all the time. He would tell me things. He would tell me what to read. And I'm again, I'm not into numbers, uh, but he would tell me before I woke up. So I'd get up and I'd go look it up and I'd, I'd look at it and I'd read it. And if you, I think I mentioned this other one, you know, one of them was to read, I think it was John 10, you know, it was about, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And the other one was about Peter, you know, washing Yeshua's feet. Uh, and he didn't quite like that. He didn't understand it. And Yeshua was saying, you don't understand what's going on now, but later you will. These, these were the things that I was given to wake up to. And I remember um, I was given a dream. The Holy Spirit gave me a dream and showed me what my temptation was during this battle, this trial. He gave me a face. He gave me a name. He gave me an occupation. So when my heart turned bitter and I wasn't quite yielding, I met this person. Now, if you knew my former lifestyle, I used to live in Los Angeles and I did some modeling. I really wanted to be an actress, yada, yada. Anyway, so my background was about, you know, how things looked, 
etc. <clears throat> anyway, um, so I'm I'm um, I'm given this dream. I'm given this vision about this is your temptation. So when I saw this person, I already knew his name. I knew his occupation. And up until then, until I had gotten married that time, my background was the woman at the well. Okay. Because I was like, what was his name? Johnny, 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 looking for love in all the wrong places. Okay. And that again, probably was from some childhood trauma, drama, whatever. Okay. But nevertheless, my choice, my decisions on how I chose to try to comfort and fill that hole and that gap for y'all. So, so anyway, I ran into this person and of course, what did I do? I fell. Now you gotta understand when I, when I, when I used to, when this came along in my mind, because the Holy spirit spoke to me all the time, gave me dreams, gave me visions. I wouldn't have like said it in my heart, but somewhere back there, I thought, Man, I had the inside scoop on Yahweh, right? How could I ever possibly sin? I mean, how, you know, plus not only that, I believe that if you sinned, I don't know where I got this idea, but I believe that if I sinned, I couldn't be forgiven. I believed I was forgiven to everything up until my salvation when I was filled with the Holy Spirit at 30. But because of my my mentality, I had to be perfect and good even afterwards. Okay. So, um, so anyway, I meet this person and I'm like, I, you know, if you hear Yahweh's voice, I always just say, I will do whatever you tell me to do. But I chose not to, when I entered into that place of anger and bitterness, because here I had been dying and dying and serving and serving Yahweh. And this was my reward. Like, I didn't get that. Okay. So I decided, I know this sounds so funny and stupid, but this is what I decided. I decided, I, I just really believe Father has someone that needs to hear this because I don't know why. I've never really shared this publicly, most of this. Um, yeah. Um, don't know where I'm going again. Um, anyway, so, so I meet this person, right? Everything's exactly like Yahweh shows me. I believe that I'm, I can't sin because I'm so filled with the Holy Spirit and I hear from Yahweh all the time and I'm playing a game, but here's what I decided. I decided that if Yahweh wasn't going to take care of me, right? When I had been faithful and this is how he rewards me then I am going to, I'm going to go out and get myself a Christian husband. Ha, ha, ha. You know what? It doesn't work that way. And uh, yeah, yeah. So this person was a Christian. And I failed. Yahweh warned me, showed me, told me. And I failed. You know, that person with the inside scoop failed. That person who doesn't fail and I could see every demon laugh at me so the other thing I realized out of that was within a week or two it didn't take long 
um, I realized that this person, even if I was going to try to make this work, was never going to love my girls the way they needed to be loved. And so now I was a failure on top of it. You know, how unrighteous and unholy my, my spouse had been uh, who left. But now I've made it worse and brought more of a curse. And um, I just need to die. And so one day I was driving and uh, there was the train. And I decided, you know, maybe what I should do is uh, just pull in front of the train. But I had my girls in the car. And um, I could not allow myself to be responsible for their deaths. And I also couldn't do it just to myself because in my mind, my girls couldn't go live with such an unrighteous person that my their spiritual condition was so much more important than my pain. And then I had to stick around for that. So let me back up just here. So a couple of months before a lot of this happened, I was at, um, some of you may know him. I was at, a, this was back when hardly anybody knew who he was. John Bevere was speaking. He used to be stationed, he used to be, had a ministry just outside of the area where I lived in Florida. And he came to speak. And during that night when he was speaking, the Holy Spirit gave me a vision. And he showed me his hand pouring out this oil upon this person. And he told me that my prayers would begin to be answered. This is before this happens, right? And he told me that he was pouring out his spirit. And I also had this experience where I was dancing with Yeshua. He was holding me and dancing with me. And when I went home that night, it was an all-night thing. It was so sacred. I could not talk about it for the longest time. I still really can't. But he held me, and he danced with me. And I had these dreams about this new roof over my head. And I saw this roof, and then I saw this beautiful, ornate roof over my head. Flash forward, if you go back to the other episode where I tell about the tree that came through the roof, and Father spoke to me about being Joseph. That was during the same time period. I learned later that that new roof was everything I had fought against. Everything I didn't want was a husband, a righteous husband. He was going to bring to me. But because I was a two-time loser, because I had been going through this, I knew myself. And I obviously failed the test, the last test of my weakness. And um, so I made a vow to Yahweh. You know, I told him, I only want you. I put my ability to remarry. It, it, it's, it's all yours. I want, just please be enough for me. Remember, says, you know, shoes enough. Be enough for me. Help me. Keep me going straight. You know, I'm never, 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 never remarrying because of another dream and vision he'd given me uh, until you brought my the, 
the girl's father back to me, saved and redeemed. He had given this other dream. Or, no, this was driving. This was a driving driving vision. He he gave me this vision, and he said, "Well, he said you entered this marriage in the flesh, and you exited this marriage in the flesh. Next time, it will be by my spirit." So I interpreted that as he's going to redeem my husband. He's going to get saved. He's going to come back. He's going to repent. Right? No. So be careful. Again, what I said in one of my other shows is what you hear, not just what you see. But I had vowed I was never, ever remarrying again unless the situation would happen. So here I am. I'm single. I've got these two girls to raise. And, um, you know, father's you know, I had, you know, if I was a congregation and there was a nice single looking guy down there, I would have to like get myself, turn around and walk out. Okay. Because I wanted him to be enough. And I had to, I knew that in order for me to survive and to stay within the Holy Spirit, I needed to make him my only husband. And so to back up right after I had considered running the railroad tracks, when I got back to the house, again, remember, I'm a person who, if you'd come and told me your problems, I would have said, pull your bootstraps up, do what's right, get over it, okay? It's your fault. So I get back, I'm sitting there, and I realize what a futile thing this all was. I can't commit suicide. I can't, you know, what can I do, you know? I, and not only that, I have blown it. I went from someone who used to walk with the Holy Spirit all the time, and now he was gone. Now what, now what was I going to do? But I had learned something through that process because I had failed, even though he told me. And that was, this is where I learned grace. So what happened was I laid there and I told the Holy Spirit for the first time, because, you know, we hadn't spoken in quite a while. I said, you know, I would repent. But I know that I do not have the strength or the power to do so. I will fail again. And then the Holy Spirit covered my sin. He came back to me. And you know what I did? I got angry. I thought I'm supposed to be punished. I'm supposed to be shamed. I'm supposed to be humiliated, right? But that's when Yeshua showed me that my condition, my salvation, my righteousness that I had through him was no better than the person who had babies killed who committed adultery daily several times because he had an addiction. That I was no better than him. That the only difference was he had put me on the side of salvation. And he showed me Yeshua hanging up on the top of the cross. And he said, how do you think I feel? I willingly gave my life away. I willingly stayed on the stake so that people could receive the gift of salvation. I sacrificed and people still refused me. 
So who do you think you are that you keep sacrificing and loving and forgiving? And they don't come around for you. So I had a whole new perspective that day of grace. And, uh, I, you know, I still can be hard, but it's probably these days, it's probably much more mm, just a cover up for how soft I really am. So, so anyway, um, so that, so, so a couple more things that happened during that time period, just right before all that culminated. Um, I, I shared about that tree that went through the roof, right? Now, remember throughout scripture, trees are compared to people. And I'm not sure if I shared this. Maybe I'm not sure if I shared this part in the other story about the tree coming through the roof. And then when they were clearing the land about the tree that was turned the opposite direction from the house and looked way at the end of the property, looked like it would never touch the house. And the Holy Spirit came over me and I started praying in tongues and um, sorry if that bothers you. Um, that's a whole nother topic. But I, and I told them, you need to move the car. And they looked at me like I was some crazy woman, of course. And But they went ahead and moved the car. And uh, sure enough, that tree turned 360, no, 180 degrees, twisted around, fell right back and scraped the side of the house and landed right where the car was. And, uh, and so, you know, I didn't even realize that I was going through this in the middle of the night when the Holy Spirit woke me up. And I was like, wow, trees, you were basically showing me that beautiful ornate wood above my head made from trees. The trees fell. That household in the tent, the father holding that up fell. But you're doing a new thing. And here when I thought you're pouring out your spirit was a good thing, like you gave me that vision, I discovered that in the book of Joel, it is not something you really want him to do. So go read the book of Joel. Um, you want, again, when that fire comes, either it's going to consume you, right? Or it's going to refine you. Let me just take a break here for a second and look at, on the ticker, because um, I'm not sure that I'll, I'll get to these today, but I do want you to know about them, because uh, this is where I'm going to be going with all of this, is, um, let me see, I think I've got some pulled up, so I'll try to share. So let's just take a break here for a minute. Um, okay, so I posted on uh, Facebook right um about this newsletter i have this link to this newsletter and the newsletter at the top sometimes i get really long-winded can you imagine um and this is after my my i had eye surgery and then i had my retinal detachment and then i used certain oils and things so this newsletter looks like it's just all about my eye but um I don't know if I do this on purpose or it's just the way the Holy Spirit has me. There's a lot of things I put out and sometimes I don't go into details about anything because it's like it's just thrown out there so that who those who have ears to hear and those who have eyes to see will latch on to something. Anyway, at the bottom of this newsletter, I go into briefly looking to see if it's almost like, a you know, throwing out a net here to see. Is, are the people ready yet for this, right? Um, and this was like um, 2017. I think so. 
um, I did this and I shared about the Copper Scroll. I uh, This is, uh, maybe we can get into this one day, the Copper Scroll. Years and years ago, Father showed me the original Mishkan is hidden and buried. The original anointing oil, uh, except for what they did pull up that now they've scrubbed off the internet that I teach about. Um, the original utensils in the in the tabernacle, uh, they they're they're buried where these copper skulls uh, where the copper skull talks about. That's a whole other subject, but but it's important because of the location and what's going to happen in the days to come. I believe that when the days come, that the actual original Mishkan is going to be taken out. And those in the sheepfold that are waiting in the wilderness before the return that make it to that point are actually going to be in the original Mishkan um, that's going to be re-put up. But I get into this section down here where I talk about Bozra just a little bit. And I um, so I encourage you to read these links because this was like 2017, 18, when I tried to put this little bitty out there to see if anybody would pull on us before um I did the uh, my second tour to Israel where we had 10 people go with us to Israel and I did a tour um, on that. And we brought people over there uh, called the Fra Fragrant Botanical Tour um, with Cynthia as our leader on that one. And um, there's a link to the Bozra Deliverance and a link to the Bozra Exile. Um, these used to be the only things I used to see out there. His father spoke this to me years ago. We're going to go into that. But I want you to know that a lot of people think that maybe we're just going to end up in um, Asia. I mean, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at your name, Asia. <laughs> uh, going into Petra is what I meant to say. Um, so, but what I really want to show you right here is when I, when I start talking about these things, here's an aerial visual and you'll need to go there and um, get also shared in the thing uh, here on the ticker or the comment area that there's this, it looks like an eagle's wing. And when you take a map here, this is the Paran Mountains up and down here. And in here is Petra and is Bozra. And right across it also is Tamar. And if you go to my YouTube channel and my Rumble channel, there's, a, there's two with Ross Nichols and one you find towards the end, I'm asking him about Bozra because we are on the same latitude across and I've, I've known for years about this place. So um, I know this doesn't make a lot of sense, but I want you to see that if you're looking from the heavens and you're looking down, you can see this eagle's head and these eagle's wings. So sometimes when we're reading about, I took you out on eagle's wings, it's not just a metaphor. I believe it's there's a physical, right? And Mount Nebo is up here. The, the original Balm of Gilead um, is up here. And this is going to be important in the future because we're going to be we're going to be going through this and talking about this when we get through the Russian preparation and revival. What is the revival worldwide? What is the revival here in the U.S. and, and around the world to prepare us to be ready for this exodus? So there's that. Um, if you get a chance, go to the call to Jordan. I just discovered this through someone who contacted me a year or so ago, and I've been uh, in contact a little bit with them, and I'm praying because before the world scene changed two years ago, my next trip that I was praying for was to go to Jordan because Jordan's Israel, okay? It's just 
the other side that's not recognized right now. That originally that was part of the covenant land. So if you get a chance and the father's been speaking to you to at all, um, it, you know, or your, it's your time and it's uh, a place for you to be ready to get to this, right? Um, he's preparing your heart, your trials, your tribulations, all of this. Um, it's about Jordan. And I remember I was like, it was like 2007, eight when the Holy Spirit and I was reading when you're going through the scriptures, uh, it's reading about the King's highway and how he's preparing the King's highway for us. And I didn't know there was a literal King's highway, or I, I guess I thought it was so ancient. And then uh, I started listening to Yadida and I think she's got a podcast now, but I knew Yadida and hosted her like, I don't know, 2004, five, six, seven. Uh, and she used to work over there and she actually worked for the, the gentleman, the contractor who, who rebuilt this King's highway that runs up and down on the Jordan side and how the Bedouins know, which remember they're probably descendants of Ishmael. They, they know prophetically that the, the lost house of Israel is coming back. They know we're coming back. They know we're going to be in this area. The powers of the world have been storing seven years of grain, heirloom seed in this area. Uh, if you go to the newsletter, there's an inkling that they've made this area uh, a biosphere. And in the last few years during the pandemic, they have opened parts of it up to go back into, I, I want to say it's copper mining, which all ties back to the olive and the top, which is actually what was and uh, from my research was raised up as the serpent because all about it's all about that tree. Oh, it's all the way back to the garden. It's all about that tree. It's all about Yahweh, Yeshua, Aleph Tav, who crushes the head on that tree. And that's why when it when it's lifted up, which we're, we'll, we'll look at one day, um, there was healing because as he's lifted up as a standard, as Yeshua is lifted up that tree, that tree of life, then we have that life. Um, if you are not subscribed to Christine Beadsworth podcast, and I highly suggest you get on her newsletter. She has a uh, telegram where she releases it, but I also get an email and sometimes I get more in the email. She also has problems getting blocked with her emails and podcasts. Um, but I encourage you, if this is something that Father's pulling you to, listen to the prophetic messages um, because she has a whole new way of delivering all of this um, and more in a, in a very, mm, your spirit. You got to have the ears to hear and the eyes to see. But I, I encourage you, go to, it's, it, again, she uses numbers here. That's why I put it on the ticker. Um, you can always contact me or I can um, forward you an email. You just email me. Uh, you can always go to the bottom of remnantremedy.com. There's a link there for me. Say, I'd, I'd like to know how to get, and I'll send you the next uh, newsletter or release podcast because they're not always the same thing. And you're going to want to hear that. You're going to see that. She doesn't use the words, to my knowledge yet, of Bozra, but this woman knows. She knows about the light and the power of the man-child and the bride. She knows uh, just the way she delivers. And she is a sister from uh, South Africa. I believe that's where she's located. Um, oh, and this is, you know, as we first started out with um, the high places, again, we'll get to that because that's our battle. That's the bride's battle. 
um, one of them, major battle. Um, go to this website called nomoretowersintheozarks.org. And uh, I think you'll find some good, really interesting information. Um, we have linen pajamas on your question, but linen clothes per se, I think, and you scan the Goodwills, maybe eBay, they're uh, Kingdom, Kingdom Paths. I'm pretty sure that's the name of it, Kingdom Paths. Um, King, hang on. Um, that is Carmel, Missouri, and her sister, Vicki Noon. I actually did a radio show with them. Uh, they're under linen, uh, linen Lovers, under um, Remnant Remedy Radio Archives. I want to say it's Kingdom Paths. Yes, Kingdom Paths. Kingdom Paths. Um, they have clothes. Um, and then there is another... Um, Zipporah. If you go to my remnantremedy.com radio archives and go to my Shesh linen shows, uh, linen lover shows, you'll find you'll find stuff. And if you need some stuff commissioned, there's a couple of ladies that um, also that maybe one of them was supposed to come to Sukkot, Karen, but um, I don't think she's going to be able to make it this year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but Kingdom Pass, awesome, amazing um, sisters. And they've been around for a very long time. They're one of the first ones who really picked up on this as well as Zipporah. Um, but those are my archives. And then, you know, here's the thing. A, a lot of people don't realize, like, I know linen sheets are super inexpensive these days. Um, but you know what? It didn't always used to be that way. Um, and also, you don't know when you're getting, um, what's the word? You don't know that you're getting China stuff. Now, if you don't care if you get China stuff and some of the things that happen with that, that's fine. And some linen's better than no linen. Um, we do linen sheets too, but they're from Belarus. Or I couldn't even, I had a, a sister who does my intro song. Um, I, I, I can't sew, I can't buy the material and we cannot sew the linen garments um, for less than we can buy the cheap import stuff now. And so, um, it, you know, but it's still good. I, I mean, it's still, I still would not not do it. It's just, um, it's hard to find good fine linen. So anyway, <laughs> actually, I have a box, Karen, of linen. I think a lot of it's new. Um, this has been sitting here through the years. I give away a lot, but uh, I do have some. I'm just not sure. You'll have to maybe learn how to sew or get a tailor. So anyway, so take a, um, let me have a sip, please. Thank you. Mm. Okay, so what time is it? We'll see what we can do in the next 20 minutes so we won't make this way too long before we go. Um, so, so it's going to tell you. So back to that night when John Bevere, here was the thing that was so amazing about John Bevere did not go out and touch anybody, but people were being hit by the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't usually believe in any of it and all that stuff because it never happened to me. But uh, I, I remember one time I was at a I was at a prayer meeting at a congregation, um, and I, I had my eyes closed. And this I could feel this power want to push me back as I was standing there, and so I had to open my eyes because I wanted to know who was in front of me, and I saw that it was the pastor and his wife, and I was like, whoa! Uh, now I get that people really can be slain in the Holy Spirit. Now that's not to say that there is not a lot of fake 
thrills, chills, and goosebumps out there because there is. And if you're barking like a dog, then maybe it's not real or, or it's false because I'm not sure that we're supposed to be acting like an unclean animal. But that does not mean there is not true gifts of the Holy Spirit and things that happen. Um, so I just wanted to... Um, say that so oh so so he you know so i get this dance i get this holy spirit dance i get this hug and one of the things that hit me so hard when my spouse left and disappeared um was this and this is what i threw out at the table to yahweh was you mean as a as a as a righteous woman following you that i will never be allowed to be hugged by a man again. You know, it wasn't about sex. It wasn't about provision. It wasn't about, for me, I, I, I guess, you know, I don't know if it's because of my father's situation growing up. I, I don't know. But for me, that was my heart's cry was, where's, where's the manly embrace, right? And so when I was out there in that forest, and I was left indigent. I went out one day because the grass was so, so big. It was like almost as tall as I was. And I was trying to get the lawnmower working. And I didn't have fake nails, but, I, you know, my nails grow pretty good. And, and I'm trying to get that lawnmower started. And I can't. And my fingers break. And I start bleeding. And I'm just, like, shaking my hands up to Yahweh saying, you told me you'd be my husband, right? And you know what he said to me? Um, don't you remember the night I danced with you? Don't don't you remember when I hugged you? <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. He says, well, you just wait. I'll get your lawn mowed. And within a couple of days, my lawn was mowed by somebody. So um, hang in there, women uh, and men. There's a lot of men who are going through some really tough times. Um, anyway, so I think I think I shared that part. And we're pretty, we're much, we're coming out of that, right? And um, so later the following year, we're almost, this This kind of all happened after Hurricane Andrew, uh, 92, like early January, 93. I was uh, writing and doing some women's retreats um, for adult victims of childhood abuse and um, doing them with Rita, the, the one who sings my song, Prepare the Bride. And... Um, so by the end of the year, right, my life is totally turned around. And on December the 30th, I am getting married. And when the father showed me in October, late September, October, that I was to marry this person, I was like, it was, he showed me in a dream. I was setting this person up, Michelle's gonna laugh. I, I was setting this person up and chaperoning him to date my friends who had children because we always said he was, we knew he was a, he was a great, um, you know, you, if you had children, if you had dogs, you had pets, you know, this is where he would always be just quiet playing with, would play with them. So I was like, I'm going to set him up with my, my girlfriends who have children because, you know, single women with children need a good person who's going to love and care for them and care for their children. And um, I chaperoned him on this one to, um, what do we call that back in those days, Joe? 
uh, the Night of Joy, which was Christian music at Disney. And um, I walked out of the last one, <clears throat> not so Christian anymore. But anyway, I came home that night and I was disappointed because I was really hoping these two would, would click it off, you, you know, click, click. And I uh, went to sleep. And this was like the second or third time I'd chaperoned him. And, uh, you know, because we were all believers and renewed and we were trying to do things right. And I remember I went to sleep and the Holy Spirit showed me that I was side by side with this man. And I was going to marry him. And I woke up and I said, no way, Jose. It ain't happening. Number one, I told you I'm not getting married again. You're going to be enough for me. And I'm sorry if I'm so blunt. I know people can't believe I do this, but I'm going to tell you how far you can go in one direction and the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit can turn things so opposite and around. I went from, and again, remember my background. I said to the father, you want me to marry him? If you get married, you got to kiss. Now, I don't want to kiss that person. Don't ever want to kiss that person. Well, after a lot of prayer and two weeks later, all of a sudden, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. And within a couple of months, I was crying and begging the father to let me marry him because he had showed me just like he told me in that vision, next time is by my spirit. Because I can guarantee you it was by the spirit. It was not by flesh that Father put us together. And this coming December will be 29 years. And I probably spent a lot of my time feeling guilty because I am so loved. And I am treated so well that I am reminded constantly daily that Yeshua loves me because I see it in my husband that I swore off. But it, my point here is that I surrendered it all to him. Now, that doesn't mean that if you put a husband on the altar to have one, it's going to, you know be the answer for your bakeway? No, he may say no and continue to say no, but it might also be something he needs to work out in you. Same with giving up your children, put him on the altar. That's hard to do. He says, give them to me. Let me be in control. <laughs> anyway. And uh, yeah, Shell knows my husband. So Anyways, 29 years well, in, a, in a couple of months. And I can tell you, I never dreamt, never could have imagined. Never. I, I, I didn't have the capacity to imagine that kind of goodness, that kind of mercy. And any power and authority and anointing that I have, that Yahweh has given me, has been tailored and aided by my husband and i don't have a fake sense of submission right is it is a spirit-led submission and we as husbands and wives need to get to this place and we need to empower that for others in the body so you start giving me this, you know, these these strict rules of how one goes. I can tell you, I know women who wear head coverings 
not against head coverings. I used to wear one all the time. And that's a long story why I don't want to do. But you can be dressed modestly. You can be covered and you can still be a Jezebel out seducing. Men, I've seen this over and over again. They're filled. Well, I'm not sure they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. Okay. They can strum the guitar. They memorize scripture. They can be psalmists, right? But the whole time they're seducing. And all the women are wishing and hoping that their husband could be like them. So you've got to be able to call on Yahweh to give you discernment. Okay? Because it is not all that it appears on the outside with the eyes. Um, so there was this verse about our voice in, in uh, Exodus 19, 4 through 5. And I think this was something maybe that um, was shared this morning on uh, Christine Beadsworth, Fresh Oil Release. Um, let's look at Exodus 19, 4 through 5. Exodus 19, 4 through 5. Exodus 19, 4. Yeah. I guess it's just 19, well, 4. Um, he says, and this kind of goes back to, so I want you to know whenever you see these eagle wings, it may be referring to Bozra. Uh, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. You're going to remember, this is also the area in the path that I was showing you on the map that they came out. I've been to the place where they cross over and we're going to see this exodus and it's going to come back the same way into the wilderness and before we go over. So when we're looking at, at that, um, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. So, yes, we have this metaphor of eagle's wings, but literally he has landmarks on the earth. And you might not know it because you don't have a bird's eye view, right? Like Yahweh does from the heavens of what he's doing on the earth. Um, bringing you over this land mass that looks like an eagle, eagle's wings, an eagle's head. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people in the earth. So in there is, um, there's a word, cold. Um, if you obey my voice, right? The word for voice there, which is interesting because it goes, Shema, it, it says in the Hebrew, it says Shema, Shema, like double get it. Listen here. In the middle of Shema, remember, is the power, character, and authority. My power, character, and authority. My power, character, and authority. He repeated. Cold. Well, you know, we we say that some sub references can be part of the the bride, um, but coal is a kuf and a lamed. So we can see, and in the Strong's, it'll say it's a voice or a sound or a crackling or a crack, or it could be lightning um, to sing, to spark. Okay, voice, but. We actually just look at it. It's the sun coming up. It's that light at the horizon, right? And it's going forth. And uh, the other way they spell it is a kof. I think it's a vav light. So we have Yahweh Elohim, the light of the world, the Torah light, Yeshua, the light, securing and going forward for us. Okay. 
Um, so we talked about, we'll, we'll go into that more detail, but go read that research that I gave you, okay? Um, uh, I think I might, okay. So maybe we'll kind of stop there and we'll wrap up to, uh, maybe I'll start off next time because I do want to get into the Russian thing and the call to Bosra. Um, I'll leave off there because the next thing that major thing that happens is I'm given a vision all night imprint in my brain, a map and an area to go to here in the U.S., which is where I live. And it's called the finger of Yah. And he shows me where I'm, I am to go and my family's to go uh, and where we'll be safe. Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to go there. What I'm saying is that you need to be exactly where he calls you to. But I can tell you of the 29 years of uh, watching and being in this area, being a survival realtor, coming back here three times. I've, I've come in and out of this vision three times. And every time I've come back, it has been miraculous. Miraculous. Yahweh wants us here for a time and a season. But it's a time and a season because the time and season is coming. And where we're all right now is he's preparing us wherever we're at and wherever he's calling us to. Don't settle down on this, this path to the kingdom. Don't park there. Get your rest. Catch up. Revive yourself. Whatever you need to do. But you do not. You do not stay camped there and get too comfortable. Okay? Because the journey to the kingdom is not over. And I'm going to suggest to you before we get into all of this, it's about getting to Bozrah is the next major step. And I believe worldwide, the other major step that we're looking at is seeing the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to Yahweh's people, uh, particularly his bride. And not, without going to that, I believe there are those who are the guests and there are those who are the bride. And I don't care who you are. If you're if you're the janitor cleaning the toilets in the kingdom, that I want that job. Okay. I don't have to be the bride. I'd like to be the bride. But if you're sold out to him, you'll take any position or function he gives you. Because he's the potter, he's the one who created you. And you need to fulfill the position he's given you. And remember that the least of these he will raise up and they will be the greatest because they are the servants, right? So uh, I'll go into that vision probably next time. And then if we have time, we'll start reading through the warning to the churches and what we can learn from the Russian revival. We'll go into uh, the revivals here in the U.S. Um, I even have some earrings um, that are made from wood where the revivals were in Kentucky. That's a really cool story. And uh, how we can look at the, the uh, what do you call it, the elemental table when we look at respiration and, and, and uh, link it back to the ancient Hebrew. And I actually have that teaching. If you want to watch it before we get to there or parts of it, it's called uh, The Aroma of a Living Sacrifice. And I believe it's on our Rumble channel and our YouTube channel, I think. Um Again, I encourage you, please, to subscribe to Rumble so that eventually we can live stream over there. And uh, I have been kicked off some platforms um, because of the things I teach. So I, I'm not promoting YouTube, okay? I'm trying to make sure everything is over on Rumble. 
and hopefully I'll last a little bit longer there. But um, we'll, we'll go into that. And I want us to look at the parallels because the Holy Spirit and the work that it was done in Russia, I think parallels to where we're at today. And um, one of those things I'll just reiterate, and we'll check out here, is that they had this revival were thousands involved in this repentance and revival. But this was after or right at the same time that the 70 years of communism came in and persecution. But the first seven to 10 years, the persecution wasn't that bad. And then the Holy Spirit started telling them, you need to get out. You need to go where I tell you to go. I'll lead you. Give up your farms. Give up everything. Follow me. Because if you don't, you're going to be eating your own children. That's how great the famine's going to be. That's how great the persecution's going to be. And the reason I say that is that is our parallel story to where we're at today. Has the new world situation come in to set up? Yes. They're still building their infrastructure all around us. Meanwhile, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and waking us up to say, don't get too comfortable. The days are coming. I'm going to call you out. And maybe it's to Bozrah for those who are called to that position. Some of us won't make it, but that's okay. That's our appointment. But don't let it be because you're not willing to surrender. You're not willing to surrender what his will is for you because we need these warriors. And one of the things that he shared with me years ago was you don't want to hear or see what I want to show you when I was studying about the King's Highway. He was like, it may look like a FEMA camp. It may look like we're not going out. Oh, hallelujah, we get to return to land. It may look like, ooh, we're being evacuated out of here of what's left. Uh, for those who didn't go ahead, I hope to be one of the ones that go ahead. Because we need those who go ahead to prepare to receive all those people that will be fleeing. Okay? Be ready. Don't hold on to anything. And know that your nation your government, your political affiliation is the kingdom of Yahweh. That is what you are a citizen first and foremost. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time. And may your garments always be white and let your head lack no shimmer. Shalom.